God, thank you for your faithfulness, God. Lord, in these chaotic times, you keep reminding me, God, that great is your faithfulness. God, even when I can't see and even when I don't know what's going on, Father, you are faithful. You are worthy to be trusted. You are worthy of all our praise. You are worthy of all our glory. You are worthy of all honor. God, you are faithful. You are faithful. You don't know how to fail, God. Father, I just thank you for tonight, Lord. And Holy Spirit, we want to just welcome you here into a, not just into our church, God, but into our, into our hearts and into our lives, Father God. When we sing, come fill this place, God, come fill our spirits, come fill our bodies, come fill this place with your spirit, God. Lord, speak to us tonight by your word, by your spirit, Father. Awaken us to righteousness, God. Awaken us, Father, to the things that you'd have for us during this time and during this season, Lord. Wake up your church, Father. Lord, I thank you tonight, God. I pray that you are honored and praised. We give you glory, all glory, in Jesus' mighty name. Amen. You may be seated. Thank you. Welcome. If you're watching online with us, hopefully you've got some air conditioning in your homes because not us, we don't. Top level's kind of hot, so. All right, so I, you know, I'm just going to get right into it. Um, last week, my husband, Pastor Matt, preached um, in Colossians, and so we're going to continue on that tonight. My title is, How to Not Be a Selfie Church. You know, since selfies are the, are the, are the rage, that'd be fun to say, selfie church. But, um, you know, I want to talk a little bit about this selfie and self-love and so there's an, a thing called, there's an excessive self-love that's defined in several fields of um, study, and it's known as narcissism. People have heard of narcissism, right? And it's a generalized personality trait characterized by egotism, vanity, conceit, or selfishness. It, has, it is having an excessive self-focus in interpersonal exchanges or being excessively selfish and self-absorbed. It is one who has a grandiose sense of self-importance. They require excessive admiration and a very strong sense of entitlement. Oh, oh. So the word comes from Greek mythology. You might have heard of this guy. His name was Narcissus. And he was a very handsome Greek youth who fell in love with his own reflection. I remember this guy in a pool of water, and he would spend hours gazing into the pool of water, gazing at himself. And this is quite the opposite of the Christ-like nature 
within a true disciple, right? Who demonstrates their love for others by faithful attendance, serving, giving, sharing of their life. And Jesus said this in John 15, 13, greater love has no man than this, than to what? Lay down his life for his friends. Some count their life too dear unto themselves, too valuable, too precious to lay it down for others. But this is not what the Bible calls us to. This is not the message to the churches. So in Paul's letter here to Klaus, he had three purposes in writing this. One of them was to combat false teaching. As we go through this, if you go back, you can look at some of the things we've we've talked about before. He wanted to also make clear the revelation of Jesus Christ as the son of God. And the third thing was to stress the true nature of life in Christ and the fruit in the believer. Okay. So we're going to read Colossians three, five through 15. You know, uh, pastor Jay always picks out what parts, who goes to what. And I'm always, um, in, I'm always, it's always very curious to me what parts fall on me to preach. And I was like, Oh, isn't that interesting? That's right up my alley. So he says, therefore put to death your members, which are on earth fornication, uncleanness, passion, evil desire, and covetousness, which is idolatry. And because of these things, the wrath of God is coming upon the sons of disobedience in which you yourselves once walked when you lived in them. But now you yourselves are to put off all these anger, wrath, malice, blasphemy, filthy language out of your mouth. Oh, do not lie to one another. Since you have put off the old man with his deeds and have put on the new man who is renewed in knowledge according to the image of him who created him where there is neither Greek nor Jew, circumcised nor uncircumcised, barbarian, Scythian, slave nor free, but Christ is all and in all. Therefore, as the elect of God, holy and beloved, put on tender mercies, kindness, humility, meekness, long-suffering, bearing one another and forgiving one another, If anyone has a complaint against another, even as Christ forgave you, so you also must do. But above these things, put on love, which is the bond of perfection, and let the peace of God rule in your hearts, to which also you were called in one body, and be thankful. So I want to contrast what Paul is saying to the Colossian church with another church. Okay, I'm going to talk about self. And self is the mark of a lukewarm church. Another word for lukewarm is complacent. And this means showing smug or uncritical satisfaction with oneself or one's achievements. Synonyms in this include smug, self-satisfied, self-approving, self-regarding, triumphant, proud, pleased, content, Careless, lazy, and slack. Now, you guys know I'm going to go there. (laughs) There's seven churches in the book of Revelation. And the number seven is a significant number, being as is the completion of all things. Okay, so the number seven, it means a complete, the completion of it. So when we see seven churches in Revelation, these are representative of seven different churches at the time. There were not only seven churches at that time. There was actually more, um, more churches that were well, were more well known. In Coloss, the Colossians here, Col- the church in Coloss was well 
was more well known than several of these other churches in the book of Revelation. But Jesus is picking out seven for a specific reason and for specific purpose. And they're also in a specific order. When you look at the history, the 2000 year history of the church, every church in Revelation in its order fits in a specific time period. See, God is a God of order. He doesn't do anything chaotic. These were not randomly picked churches. They were specifically picked and put in a certain order for a specific reason. So then we get to the last church mentioned in Revelation, the lukewarm church, the church of Laodicea. It's mentioned last because it is the last church of history. And I'll show you why it's the last church of history. And you'll know why when you look around you at what's going on in the world, you'll know exactly that the church of Laodicea is the last church of history. Okay. Revelation three, I'm going to read verses 14 through 17. It says, and to the angel of the church of the Laodiceans write, these things says the amen, the faithful and true witness, the beginning of the creation of God. I know your works that you are neither cold nor hot. I would wish you were cold or hot. So then because you are lukewarm and neither cold or hot, I will vomit you out of my mouth because you say I am rich. I have become wealthy and have need of nothing and do not know that you are wretched, miserable, poor, blind, and naked. Okay. I'm going to, I'm going to show you something here. Laodicea was a center of wealth. Okay. It was a bustling, um, commercial activity. There was the medical profession was there. They were known for their eye salve and it was the most prosperous of the seven cities. And so the Lord says to them, he says, I know your works. Okay. Now this is not a cause for rejoicing because they are tragically lacking in their commitment. And how did they get to the state? There was compromise there. Okay. They accepted standards that were lower than desired. They compromised important doctrine and they compromised the truth of God's word. <clears throat> they compromised spirituality for comfort. It was a comfortable church. They said, don't ruffle my feathers. Don't preach to convict me. Make me feel comfortable. Give me a little bit of truth, but not enough to affect my life. Don't tell me things I don't want to hear. Don't tell me what to eat or what to wear or where to go. Don't challenge me. Don't correct me. Don't rebuke me. Just give me courage. Encourage me, stroke me, and flatter me. And there seems to be an overemphasis by teachers and teachings that are feeding people with truths that are causing them to be very self-oriented and excessive in their self-love. Where it's all about them. It's all about their God. It's all about their time and their season and their thing. Their destiny. Their Christianity becomes self-focused and self-absorbed. And they never allow biblical truth to fit them into something bigger than themselves. And for anything beyond personal benefit. And Jesus says, you say... This is the key to all of this, okay? I have studied Revelation for 20-something years. Jesus says, 
you say. Now in the Greek, the word you is very emphasized here. So he's saying, you say this, you say this, okay? You say, I am rich, I have prospered and grown wealthy, and I am in need of nothing. It was a self-satisfied church that led to self-deception. In the Greek, it literally reads, I have enriched myself by my own wisdom and virtue. And this word rich has a double meaning here because there's an allusion to material wealth, but also that they boasted as being spiritually rich in good works and in righteousness. And Jesus goes on. He says, you say I am rich and increased with goods, with outward peace and prosperity, with much natural and divine knowledge. This has to do with a new revelation. You say these things about you have a new revelation and you have need of nothing. It means they sat down in complacency and self-satisfaction. They were pride and an arrogant church. They said, I am rich in spiritual gifts and spiritual endowments. I have need of nothing to make me happy. And I am blessed. And every day I'm growing spiritually richer. Self-sufficiency is the fatal danger of a lukewarm state. When you look around you, are we not here? In 2 Timothy chapter 3, starting in verse 3, it says, But know this, that in the last days, perilous times will come, for men will be lovers of themselves... Lovers of money, boasters, proud, blasphemers, disobedient to parents, unthankful, unholy, unloving, unforgiving, slanderers without self-control, brutal, despisers of good, traitors, headstrong, haughty, lovers of pleasure rather than lovers of God, having a form of godliness but denying its power from such people turn away. So when, and when you study this, it's people in the church. Because we read that and we think outside the church. And he says, no, 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 no. Inside the church. This is, why I'm, this is what I'm showing you. This is why I'm proving to you. Hopefully at the end you'll see that Laodicea is the last church. And the Laodiceans here, folks, did not see themselves as lukewarm or indifferent. Jesus says that you do not know That you are wretched, miserable, poor, blind, and naked. He said, you don't know this. This is very central, folks. Okay? This was a church, born again, filled with the Holy Spirit. And Jesus says, you say this about yourself, but I'm telling you, you are poor, wretched, blind, and naked. So they couldn't even see their own spiritual state. Okay, they didn't see themselves as being lukewarm. They didn't see themselves as being indifferent to things. Jesus had to point it out. And why was their self-appraisal so far apart from the Lord's? Because they were measuring themselves by a different standard. They were using the standard of the world. Okay. The church was pleasant. They were respectable. They were comfortable. 
hey, I'm under grace. They thought they were doing splendidly. And, and we, are, we are not good judges of our own heart. We are not. You know, um, uh, there, there was a lady, this was, this was years ago, and I remember she came to church probably once every two months. And I was talking to her, and I, and I said, um, so I'd like to see you in church more often. And she had even told me she, she wanted to be in church more. She wanted to do these things. And, and so I was like, can I hold you accountable to that? And she said, yes, please do. So when I asked her, you know, I said, how come you're not in church more? And she says, well, you know, I, I work on Sundays. And I said, aren't you a real estate agent? And she said, yeah. So don't you set your own hours? <laughs> she said, yeah. She's like, I, oh, but I'm saved. I'm like, well, that's between you and God. <clears throat> but your life's displaying something different. Your life's displaying to, to me and other people that you're choosing everything else but to be in the house of God. You know, and, and in today's world with social media, folks, listen, if you're going to show me everything you're doing on Facebook, oh, we're here and we're here and we're doing this and we're doing this, but you can't show up to church. I don't have a lot for you. Jesus continues. He says, you are wretched and miserable. Now this is a most deplorable condition. And folks, as I studied Revelation, pretty much every scholar says that the Laodicean period is the worst church period. They say it's the worst. They said that the rebuke from the Lord is the worst out of all of them. Okay. He says, you are wretched and miserable. Now in, in, in the Greek, this is a deplorable condition. So it's one who has sunk into deep distress. They are reaching a state of unregeneracy in danger of hell and destruction. He says, you are wretched. You are poor. Meaning they did not have the means to produce what they really needed. They did not have the necessities it would take to see them through a calamity. They were blind. They could not see their state. They couldn't see their way. And they couldn't see the danger they were in. And they were naked. They were spiritually naked, stripped of any righteousness. The interesting thing about the Laodicean period, it is characterized by the phenomenon of people dictating what will be taught. It's a church where the people tell the preacher what he's going to preach rather than submitting to the authority of the word of God. The word Laodicea means the judgment of the people. It's loosely translated as the people's rights. That's what Laodicea means. In 2 Timothy 4, for the time will come when they will not endure sound doctrine, but according to their own desires, because they have itching ears, they will heap up for themselves teachers, and they will turn their ears away from the truth and be turned aside to fables. 
Because there used to be a time when the church taught that the old man had to be crucified, denied, and kept under careful control. Jesus said, if a man would come after me, he must deny himself, take up his cross, and follow me. Yet churches constantly are openly advancing self, teaching we should assert ourselves and discover the powers and possibilities of the self, all apart from the necessity of the new birth. The new man is not concerned with self-realization. The new man is not concerned with self-realization, but rather is only to be concerned with knowing the Lord. And so then a church ceases to be led by the spirit when it becomes self-seeking. Let's go back to Paul's words to the Colossian church. Therefore, put to death your members which are on the earth. Fornication, this is sexual immorality. Uncleanness is vile and impure thoughts, impurities. Passion is pornea, promiscuity. Evil desire, desiring only pleasure and covetousness, which is greed, is idolatry. And it says, because of these things, the wrath of God is coming upon the sons of disobedience in which you yourselves once walked when you lived in them. But now you yourselves are to put off all these anger, wrath, malice, blasphemy, filthy language out of your mouth. Do not lie to one another since you have put off the old man with his deeds and have put on the new man who is renewed in knowledge according to the image of him who created him. Other scriptures, including sin, are in Galatians chapter 5. Paul says, I say then, walk in the spirit and you will not fulfill the lust of the flesh. For the flesh lusts against the spirit and the spirit against the flesh. And these are contrary to one another so that you do not do the things that you wish. But if you are led by the spirit, you are not under the law. Now the works of the flesh are evident, which are these. Adultery, this is the Greek word pornea. So there's a wide range of things under this. Fornication, uncleanness is following one's passions. Lewdness is having no decency. Idolatry, you know what that is, hopefully. Sorcery, it's from the Greek word pharmakia. Isn't that interesting? It has witchcraft and drugs. Hatred, contentions. Contentions are struggling for superiority. Jealousies, outbursts of wrath, selfish ambitions. This is seeking power or position. Dissensions, this is divisive teaching. Heresies. Now, the heresies is not, the the Greek word here is not what we call it today, where we say, well, that's a heretical teaching. A heresy, right, is causing splits and division in the church, which destroy unity. It's Greek word heresy here. Envy, murders, drunkenness, drunkenness, revelries is a party spirit and the like of which I tell you beforehand, as I have told you in times past, that those who practice such things will not inherit the kingdom of God. So he says, we, we, we have got to put off the old man and walk in the new man. 
Why? And I, and I want you to get hold of this tonight because sin does not just affect you. Because we live in a selfish time and we think, well, this is just hurting me. No, it's not. It hurts the whole body. Sin doesn't just affect you. It affects and it corrupts the whole body. Why? Because you are not your own. You are bought with a price. And so whatever you do affects the whole. That's why he says, when you love, you serve others, you affect the body. Right? We think about that. We're like, I'm serving the body. I'm giving. I'm I'm doing all these things to the body, to the body. And then we stand like, this is just me. No, 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 no. You don't get to separate that. When you sin, it doesn't just affect you. It affects the whole body. That's like, um, you know, I, I shared this in my Bible study, um, years ago, uh, I used to build house with my stepdad and, um, Matt and I actually were just dating at that time. And I had a big beam that we were putting up and man, this thing weighs a couple hundred pounds. These things are heavy, you know, and I was, I was holding it for him and I, I just slipped and it dropped on my toe. And I was just wearing tennis shoes. I didn't have on any steel boots. <laughs> and it bent my toe be- It bent my toenail bed. It bent my toenail bed. And so I lost three toenails. It's so gross. <laughs> it was really gross. Because the first one came off and the second one would drive in and it couldn't stick. And so it fell off and the third one. But here's, here's what I want. Here's what I want you to know about that. It was my big toe. And you think, well, it's just my toe but I couldn't walk. I was in a boot and on crutches because I couldn't walk. Why? Because my one big toe affected my whole body. When you sin, it affects the whole body. And running and hiding during this time is self-preservation. Folks, we are not called to self-preservation. Greater love has no man than this, than to lay down his life for his brethren, but only in good times. But only when I feel like it. Only when this happens. No. Because self-preservation is still about me. It's still about myself. You know, and I, and I get it. Right now, I want to sell everything and move. <laughs> Fiji. <laughs> but, but God has called me here for such a time as this for God has called us here we for such a time as this and we are called to love the body and seek the good of others above our own self 
Jesus came to reconcile man to God. And this plan is not only individual, it's collective. It's collective. Therefore, as the elect of God, holy and beloved, put on tender mercies, kindness, humility, meekness, long-suffering, bearing with one another, bearing with one another, not running and hiding, not isolating yourself, not saying, oh, you go do your thing. I'm going to do my thing. Bearing with one another and forgiving one another. If anyone has a complaint against another, even as Christ forgave you, so you also must do. Not only if you want to. So you must forgive if you feel like it. But above all these things, put on love, which is the bond of perfection. When you hold an offense, your interests are selfish. It's about self-preservation. When you harbor unforgiveness, your interests are selfish. When you lie to another, you are lying to the whole body of Christ. We are eroding at others' trust. And if I told you all the nastiness, nastiness that's been said and done against me, um, you might even ask, how, how can you forgive them for that? And I say, how can I not forgive them for what's been done for me? We have no right to hold anything against anybody. You must forgive. It's a command. I mean, it's, it's a, it's a must. There, there's no way around it. There's no salvation without forgiveness. There's just no salvation. You know, and so when I meet somebody that says, well, I can't ever forgive them for that, for that, I'd say, are you really saved? Because I'm going to question whether or not you're really saved. We are not here to just develop a spiritual life of our own, but to develop and build up the corporate body. Are you concerned with only yourself and your self-interest? Or are you concerned with the body? What are you concerned with? You are called to be salt and light. Matthew 5, 13 through 16 says, You are the salt of the earth, but the salt loses its flavor. How shall it be seasoned? It is then good for nothing but to be thrown out and trampled underfoot by men. You are the light of the world. A city that is set on a hill cannot be hidden. Nor do they light a lamp and put it under a basket, but on a lampstand, and it gives light to all who are in the house. Let your light so shine before men that they may see excuse me, your good works and glorify your father in heaven. You know, and, 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 and I'm thinking about what's going on right now and, and what, um, the, the lukewarm temperature that's in our society, that's in God's people, folks. Okay. Pay attention. Our calling and your mission as an ambassador for Christ does not change in times of persecution doesn't ta- it doesn't change in times of affliction it doesn't change you're calling as a christian to be a light to your neighbors to the people in your store to people on your job wherever you're at that doesn't change you can't bury your talents because of anything going on right now paul was under the roman 
Empire. Google Roman Empire. Just Google Roman Empire. And see the kind of stuff that went on. In fact, uh, yesterday, um, Pastor Matt and I had some lunch with some older seasoned saints. And we were talking about Antipas. And um, he's mentioned in the book of Revelation. And he was the first martyr. And he was put in a metal bull and boiled in the bull. They, they put it on fire until he died inside this metal bull. I was under the Roman Empire. For being a Christian. Our mandates to be a Christian, what God tells us to do in the word of God doesn't change because of what's going on outside these walls. Yeah, it's kind of interesting to me is that, you know, we, we look at other places and we're like, oh man, that Chinese church and they've been underground for years and man, we're with you and we're praying for you, China. Let's go saints and we're praying for you. And then it comes to us and we're like, oh no, that's for you, China. People that actually, you know, died trying to get to church. Died sharing the name of Jesus. Died sharing the gospel. You know, and I think a little bit of affliction and persecution and suffering is good. Because yeah. here's, here's what it should do. It should wake us up. Yeah. It should wake us up and say, wow, I've been lukewarm. Yeah. I've only been interested in myself. I've been under, uh, I've been interested in my self-preservation. I've only been interested in seeking my own ways, my own God. Right? How many times have you heard that? He's my personal God. It's that time, folks. Our calling and our mission does not change. Our mandates in, in God's holy word do not change. Never. And we say that all the time. God is the same yesterday, today, and forever. But we want him to be the same in the things that we want him to be the same in. Romans 13, 11 says, And do this knowing the time that now it is high time to wake out of sleep. For now our salvation is nearer than when we first believed. And the, hear the words of the Lord tonight. The reality of the indwelling Christ. To put on the new man. Must be evident in our Christian behavior. In our relationships with the body. And in our spiritual disciplines. We need to wake up. And rise up out of our selfishness and complacency. You need to stop sinning. Stop sinning. Stop lying. Do not let your love grow cold. Stop being selfish. Stop being rebellious. Forgive anyone for anything. Do not hold an offense. Give more than you think you should. Because in case you haven't noticed world events... We are in the end days. <laughs> and, and, you know, honestly, this could drag on for years. I don't know. 
I, I don't know when Christ is coming back, but he's coming back soon. I can tell you that we, we have never been closer than we've ever been right now. <laughs> and I have resolved, I'm not, you know, uh, I'm not going back to my sin. Okay. I've learned how to control my flesh. I'm not going to fall into any kind of sexual sin. I'm not going back to drugs and alcohol. But here's also what I will tell you. The Lord's not going to f- come back and find me in a position of unforgiveness. He's not going to find me holding a grudge. He's going to find me loving the brethren. He's going to find me not holding on to a fruitless offense. He will find me loving my husband, loving and serving my church, taking care of my children, taking care of the sheep that God has put in my care. And he will find me living in peace and joy and not in a spirit of bitterness. Because I am resolved to be selfless. Verse 15. And let the peace of God rule in your hearts. To which also you were called in one body. Folks, we are one body. And be thankful. If you're having trouble forgiving, be thankful. Start being thankful. Start finding gratitude in everything. Stop complaining and stop mumbling. And start being thankful to God in everything. That we are here for such a time as this. Folks, make it right in your families. Make it right in your marriages. Make it right in your home. And make it right among your brethren. Don't let him come back. You can say, Lord, I did all this. He said, but you you harbored an offense. You You were moving in unforgiveness. Get rid of it. Okay? Get rid of it. We're going to pray. Did Angie leave? Oh, she's right there. (laughs) Sorry, I just hear. Good thing you didn't leave. I just want to give you a minute to apply this to your life. If something spoke to you tonight, man, just, just give it up to the Lord. If you need to repent of something, folks, this is what Jesus said. He said, just repent. This is what he said to the church of Laodicea. He says, repent and seek me for those things. Repent and seek me to fill all those needs. Repent of your selfishness and just seek me. So if something ministered to you tonight, don't let this time go, you know, because the Holy Spirit will just kind of drop that in you and you'll know, man, don't let it go without changing it. If you're watching um, at home online, same thing goes for you. If you need to repent of anything, just drop where you're at. Ask the Lord to forgive you. Ask him to give you courage and strength for this time to do what you need to do. If you need to forgive somebody, forgive them. Release them of that debt. And if you don't know the Lord, this is a great opportunity to know him for he is here and he is available.
Bible says, if you would repent of your sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us and cleanse us from all unrighteousness. You can become a new man today. You can become a new creation in Jesus Christ. Just repent of your sins. That just means turn away. Say, I don't want that old life, God. I don't know what this new one looks like, but I want my old one, Lord. I want a life that's fully devoted to you, that's fully consumed with you, Jesus. Just invite him to come in and live with you. Just invite him into into you. Lord Jesus, I just thank you for this time. Holy Spirit, minister to those online, minister to those that are here, God. Lord, minister this word to us, Father, that whatever we need to change, whatever we need to correct, whatever we need to make right, God, that we make it right tonight, God. That we just repent and seek you, God, that we would love our brethren, that we would forgive those we not lie to each other. Father, I just want to I just want to pray if anybody needs a healing tonight, God, that you would supernaturally right now, Father, that you would heal bodies. In the mighty name of Jesus Christ. God, if there's an infirmity in anybody's flesh, God, I'm asking you tonight, God, to heal it. In Jesus' mighty name, heal our infirmities, Father. By your stripes, we are healed. And we just take it by faith. God, we just give you all glory, all praise, all honor. In the mighty name of Jesus Christ, amen. Thank you for... Uh, being here for joining us online. Forget the guy, look at the camera. Sunday services, nine outdoor service, 11 o'clock. Get your tickets, sign up. Men's retreat starts tomorrow night at 6.30. Be there. Hey, we want to thank you so much for being online with us today. I want to remind